good early morning. Hope everybody's awake. Welcome to uh, visitors and guests in person or via live stream. Um, welcome to this church. Our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all things and all times. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. If you're a visitor, welcome. There's visitor cards in the foyer. Fill those out if you wish so we can keep up with you. Um, we will not bug you, okay? Um, nursery is open today, even at this early hour. At the Village Church, we believe that giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. And there's several ways you can give. You can put your offering tithes in the offering plate in the back. You can uh, send a check in the mail. Or you can use our webpage and give that way. Um, now, a couple of important announcements. Today, we start... Village kids and youth, immediately after the worship service, uh, kids will be dismissed to the annex, and they'll be over there with either if they're younger with Mary Lindblom, or if they're youth, they'll be with uh, Lyle Lee. So, parents, be aware of that and coordinate that as necessary with your kids. And a different new thing we're going to start today. After the worship service, the kids will be in the annex and the youth will be in the annex. The adults are welcome to come to a sermon follow-up discussion held here in the sanctuary after the worship service. This will be a time to um, ask your questions to Alex and the elders, um, talk about what we've heard, how we can apply it, and how it works in our lives. So use... just plan that time. If you haven't planned on it, it's a, it's a new thing. We're going to try that for a few weeks here and give the adults uh, time to interact and uh, share and uh, apply God's Word as the Holy Spirit directs us. So plan on that after the worship service. This week, um, our monthly corporate prayer will be by Zoom and in live here at the church at 7 o'clock Wednesday night. Um, in the back of the worship bulletin, there's information on the schedule for the village kids and also information on flock note. So um, attend those as necessary. Um, Y'all had a busy week. I had a busy week. Uh, you're probably tired, worn out, um, stressed out. Just getting here early maybe stressed you out, for all I know. Anyway, um, just take a time now. God's Word says, be still and know that He is God. Just take a time now to reflect, uh, prepare your hearts for worship. As patience comes and leads us here in a moment. Praise God.
good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. I'm going to be incredibly transparent. Uh, I had a time this morning. I have had a time getting here. Um, we, my family, some of you guys know bits and pieces, but my family, I'll just be open this morning. My family has had a time um, over the past few months. Uh, my my household and my family, my uh, extended family has had a time this past uh, 20. I know a lot of people can say that. I'm not alone in sharing that. Um, but we have definitely had a time. I will ask you to pray. Uh, pray for my parents. Um, some of you guys know that my dad has been um, battling cancer for the past few years. And he's um, he's doing well. But um, we have had a time. And he has had a time. So if you think about me, please um lift Ken and Marie Reese in your prayers because um, they certainly need that right now but in all of this time that I'm having with a whole host of things uh, this week or last week the Lord gave me this verse and I'm so thankful for it and the spirit brought it back to my mind this morning as I was having a time and struggling um, with just getting here um, and having my mind and my heart in the space to just be here and this was the verse the Lord is Psalms 29 11 this is one of those keepers that you just cling to and you have in your back pocket it's one of those it's one of those promises that are yes and amen that we can cling to the Lord gives strength to his people the Lord blesses his people with peace Psalm 29 11 the Lord gives strength to his people the Lord blesses his people with peace. I'm grateful for that word. Because sometimes that's very palatable, right? He gives you peace and you feel it. And then there are other times where you're like, Lord, I just need you to give me something right now. And I have experienced that gambit uh, this week and even this morning. But aren't you glad that our God is so good that he is left us with his word so we have something to cling to he has not left us alone we are not orphaned he loves us he is so good his mercy endures forever and he gives strength to his people and he blesses his people with peace so we're going to sing this little song as we just continue this time of you know, not like you have to get your mind right. However you are, that's how you come to the Lord. Because he's standing with open arms. And he says, cast, his, cast your cares on him, and he, or he cares for you. But as we just adjust our mind and we fix our eyes on Jesus right now, we're going to sing this song. It's a new song, but it's really easy. It's repetitive. Um, but just just focus. Don't, don't try to focus on, i got to learn the song. Focus on what the word is saying. And, and hopefully it will point you to the Lord. good 
been so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. I can't praise you enough. I owe you my life. Can't praise you enough. Even if I tried, cause you've been so good to me. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. You've been so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. I can't praise you enough. I owe you my life. Can't praise you enough. Even if I try, cause you've been so good to me. good. You've been so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. I can't praise you enough. I owe you my life. Can't praise you enough. Even if I tried because you've been so so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. I can't praise you enough. I owe you my life. Can't praise you enough. Even if I try, cause you've been so good to me. Lord, you are good. Good, you've been so good, Lord. You are good, you've been better than good. I can't praise you enough. I owe you my life, can't praise you enough, even if I tried, cause you've been so good. You've been, you've been so good. So good, you've been so good, you've been, you've been so good, you've been so good to me. Amen. Lord, you are good. Our call to worship is from the song, How Great Thou Art. Please join with me where it says congregation, and we'll um, um, also read together where it says all. O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hand has made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, 
how great thou art. Amen. loved us. We never would have uh, sought him. He sought us. Praise God. Uh, for our confession of faith this morning, we're going to use the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And two questions uh, that our song we just sang reflects. And I'm going to change the name of the question a little bit. I'll add one word to each question. Uh, instead of what is justification, I'm going to say what is the act of justification? And the answer is? And accepts us as righteous in the 
life for the sake of the righteousness of Christ alone who is credited to us received by faith alone. And question 35, what is the work of sanctification? Praise God for those words and based on Scripture. Amen and amen. Good morning, everyone. This morning's uh, uh, passage is coming from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we are, correction, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Amen. stand with me.
bring to him any needs that we have in our life. We can also uh, intercede uh, for other believers and other people that we know who are struggling and need prayer. So as I pray, I would encourage you to pray silently uh, to the Lord with prayers of supplication. So let us go to the Lord, to our Father, with the expectation that he hears us and with the expectation that he does answer prayer. So please join me. Father, you are not blind to the needs of your people. Your word even tells us to cast all of our cares and anxieties upon you because you care for us. And so right now, Lord, during this time of prayers of supplication, I want to bring before you the needs, Lord, within the body, needs within our congregation. I lift up uh, patients and her family to you, Lord, that you will surround them with your care and provision. I pray, Lord, against the enemy and the spiritual warfare that, that they are under, that, Lord, that you will bring peace, Lord, that you will bring healing, Lord, that you will bring answers, Lord. They have been under it for a while. And so, Lord, I pray that you will heal, that you will surround them with your protection. And I definitely pray for her mom and dad, Lord, that you give them wisdom and guidance and strength and stamina and energy, Father. So, Lord, protect them, Lord. Watch over them. Lord, I pray for those in our church who uh, who are expecting that you be with those moms and, and those babies that are growing. I pray for those who have already you know, given birth to a, a beautiful child, that you will bless that child, bless that family, sustain them and watch over them, Lord. Father, I pray for the broken relationships within our congregation, the marriages and relationships with parent and child and siblings, Lord. That, Lord, that they would keep short accounts, that they would extend grace to one another that they would have an awareness of their own brokenness, that they would do family under the banner of the cross, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for healing in that. I pray for any issues that may be going on within the body of, of brothers and sisters who might not be getting a well on within our congregation. I pray that we would keep short accounts with each other, that we would go to one another in love with an awareness of our own sins, as we seek to make reconciliation. I know, Lord, you already know what what we're dealing with, but, but why pray? Prayer is us humbling ourselves before you and us saying we can't fix ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We cannot fix the brokenness in our own heart. We cannot fix the brokenness within the congregation. We cannot fix the brokenness within our families, within our relationships, within our neighborhood and our culture and our world. So we come because you're the one who's able. Because you're the one who's able. And so as your people gather corporately, we ask for you to have mercy. We ask for you to provide healing. We ask that you would give encouragement. We ask that you would give stamina, energy, strength, healing of sicknesses, provisions for those who need a financial blessing. We pray into those things. We pray into the sufferings of the world and the sufferings within our country. 
Pray for what's happening over in the Ukraine that you will bring peace there. Father, as Christians, we don't have to just sit by and watch the world burn. We have a God who is in heaven. And when we intercede and when we make intercession, that means something. Nobody in the whole world gets to do what we do. No other group of people get to offer prayers that we do because we know our prayers are heard. Because we're praying to the one and true living God. Not praying to a statue. Not praying to an idol. Not praying to a piece of wood. Not praying into the abyss. We're praying into the heart of a Father who loves us. So Lord, because of your great love, because of your glory, will you make provisions for us? Give us what we don't even think we need and take out of our life what we don't need. So thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. St. Augustine was a North African church father whose writings had great impact on Western Christianity and Western philosophy. Many of the things that you know, we believe as Christians now uh, you know, come from this church father. And he once wrote these words of praise to God. He, he, said, he wrote, you are good and all-powerful caring for each one of us as if each is the only one in your care. Think about that. You're all powerful. You're all good. Caring for each one of us as though each is the only one in your care. Augustine's words have been interpreted by many people today as this. God loves each of us as if there is only one of us. You need to let that go here. He loves each one of us as if we're the only one that he's loving. How does that make you feel? I know you said, why is Pastor Az always talking about feelings? Because I'm an Enneagram 4, and I'm all in my feelings all the time. <laughs> That's how I feel everything. What thoughts about God are rushing through your mind when you hear those words? God loves all of his beloved sons and daughters with an everlasting love, and he loves each of them as if they're their only child, and yet he doesn't have favorites among them. He doesn't have favorites. He loves all of his children equally and the same. He favors them the same. He likes them the same. He enjoys them the same. That's all, that's, thank you, patience. And it's, and it's regardless of their issues and their background, their ethnicity, their theology, their denomination, political views, cultures, social status, or nationality, he loves you all the same and equally. And if you have saving faith in Christ today, if, if you are God's beloved child today, then he says these words to you every day of your life. I love you, 
You are mine forever. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm proud of you. Even my fatherly discipline is an expression of my great love for you. So keep your chin up, beloved. Keep your chin up. I know the struggle in your life is real, but so is his love for you. It's just as real. And his love is seen in the father blessings that, that he gives you in Christ. And re- remember last week's sermon. Re- remember the blessing of unmerited favor. Election, sanctification, and adoption are all yours in Christ. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? And do you enjoy these blessings? Do you enjoy being God's beloved? Only you can answer that. If you think being a Christian is just following a whole bunch of rules, you're missing out on so much joy. And so much freedom. This morning we're going to enjoy, notice this word, enjoy another father's blessing. It's in Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10. I call it the blessing of cosmic redemption. Cosmic redemption is a blessing, a father's blessing from God. And the big idea of this sermon, the one big idea in this sermon, is cosmic redemption involves the liberation of all things through Jesus Christ. Cosmic redemption involves the liberation of all things through Jesus Christ alone. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, preaching has no power apart from you. Apart from you, I'm just a motivational speaker. I might as well just be doing TED Talks all day. If it's not, if you're not here, the preacher is just a person. That's it. That is it. An under-shepherd. And so if you're not moving, nothing's happening. Now, preachers have to do their preparation, their study, that, that's part of it. But preachers are not part of the Godhead. We're not part of it. It's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit, preacher. We are just vessels, a mouthpiece for the Spirit to use. And so, Spirit, move. So, Spirit, take what is preached and apply it to my heart and to my mind and apply it to the hearts and minds of everyone that's here and everyone that's maybe watching on the live stream, that you would do it. You know and see what we need. You know and see what the things that we're struggling with. You know, you know how to take the word and apply it to our life. We don't even know how to do that either. But thanks be to God, there's a spirit that lives in us who does. So help us not to clench you, but to hear your voice and be sensitive to it. So Holy Spirit, you are our counselor. You are the deposit that guarantees our inheritance. You're the same spirit that came at Pentecost. And you haven't lost it in your power. You still got your swag. So let us, let us see it now. At this place, at this time. For our good, but for the glory of our Trinitarian God. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
the blessing of cosmic redemption involves the, like I said, the liberation of all things. That is the liberation of individuals and the liberation of creation itself. But do y'all believe that? Or do you disagree? It's okay if you do. That's fine. You see, cosmic redemption liberates broken people and it liberates a broken creation. How is that possible? Who makes it possible? Cosmic redemption is possible only through the person and work of Jesus Christ, period. His person and his work guarantees it, the liberation of broken people and the liberation of a broken creation. And that is an amen. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You see, the person and work of Christ is holistic. But what does that mean, Pastor? It includes Christ's pre-incarnate glory, meaning he did exist before the incarnation. It includes his incarnation, his life, his teaching and his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his present ministry at the Father's right hand, his second coming. It also includes the three offices that he fills, prophet, priest, and king. That is the person and work of Christ. It's holistic. But now, who actually is Jesus in his personhood? Who is he? Who is this person you study and read about in Sunday school and, and in Bible studies? Who is he really? Do you really know? Because we all have a Jesus of our own imagination, the one that's created in our own image. But is he the real Jesus? Or as I used to say, the, the Plato Jesus. You see, Jesus is like us, and he's also other than us. He's, he's fully human like you, but he's also other than you. Why? Because he is without sin, and he's also divine, and we're not divine. Hebrews 2.17 says, for this reason, Jesus was, had, had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. That's the real Jesus. Hebrews 4, 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That is Jesus. The God-man. Fully and truly God, fully and truly man. You see, Jesus is one person with two distinct natures, a divine nature and a human nature. I know it seems impossible. I know it sounds like a fictional character in a fantasy novel. And I know it's hard for our finite minds to understand this aspect of the personhood of Christ, but it's true. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. Just because you don't understand doesn't, make, doesn't mean it's not true. Jesus is one person with two distinct natures. The word really does become flesh and really does do life with and among us. That happened. It did. Another church father named uh, Athanasius wrote, The word of God, 
who at the beginning made all things out of nothing. Only he could restore the corruptible to incorruption while maintaining the justice of the Father towards us. He alone, being the word of God, and above all, was able to recreate everything, worthy to suffer on behalf of of us all and to be an ambassador for us to the Father. That's Jesus. He accomplishes all of those things because he is the only redeemer. There are some pretenders. But who else would die for his enemies? Who else would die to turn enemies into friends? Orphans into beloved kids. He is the suffering redeemer. You do realize that if we're being honest, the gospel story is really a horror story, right? Because that baby that was born was born to die a very violent death. So we have romanticized it. But if you've ever seen that the movie Passion of the Christ, I've seen it one time. I couldn't take it. I've never seen it again. Because it shows you images of what it could have been like for Jesus. And I couldn't handle it. And he did. He went through that in real life. It happened. It happened. Jesus accomplishes all these things that Athanasius says because he he dies on an old rugged cross in your place for your sins. And cosmic redemption is a guarantee through his shed blood. Through his shed blood. Look at verse 7a. It says, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Liberation and forgiveness for broken, sinful people only comes through the precious blood of the Lamb of God. The precious blood of the Lamb of God. In verse 7a, the, the, the Greek translation for redemption can also mean to release, to set free, to deliver, to liberate. What do y'all think of redemption is about? What is it really about? It's about freedom. Freedom from what? Redemption from what? Is it redemption from bad luck? Is it redemption from a hard and difficult life? The term is used for prisoners and slaves and criminals who need to be set free. It's used for people who are in captivity, people who are guilty, people who are under judgment, people who are enslaved, people who are lost. That's what it's used for. Another Christian author, one Christian author says, Election itself saves no one. It only marks out particular sinners for salvation. Those chosen by God given to the Son, have to be redeemed if they are to be saved. In other words, those the Father chooses for salvation need to be set free from what holds them in bondage. What holds them in bondage? On one hand, broken people are in bondage to sin because of the fall. Genesis 3 happened. And 
You don't have to believe it, but it happened. The fall happened. This was recorded in Genesis 3. Sin is a slave master. And people who are in their sin, they can't escape from it in their own strength. There is no underground railroad for freedom for them. They have to be liberated by someone else. Someone has to liberate them from that captivity. And then on the other hand, those same broken people are also under the righteous wrath of God because of their sin. They can't remove themselves from under his judgment through their own productivity and performance. If you think your performance and productivity can remove you from that, then Christ died for nothing. They can't satisfy his wrath by making sure their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. Someone has to rescue them from it. Someone else has to satisfy the righteous wrath of God towards sin. Broken people are stuck between a rock and a hard place. They're stuck between sin and judgment. And the only hope for liberation and freedom is Jesus Christ alone, and he's your only hope as well. It's only through the, the, his blood that broken, sinful people are saved from sin and rescued from God's wrath. Isaiah 53, what does it say? Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace with his wounds. We are healed. You're healed. John one twenty nine tells us that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 1 John 2, 2 says Jesus is a propitiation for our sins. He makes atonement. He paid it all. He paid our ransom by sacrificing himself in our place in order to set you free from sin and the wrath of God. And his shed blood did that for all of you if you have seven faith in him. The Message Bible says it this way. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We are free people. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And we're not just barely free either. We're abundantly free. Are you abundantly free? In Christ, you have redemption through his blood, and you also have forgiveness of your trespasses through that same blood. You see, there's liberation from sin through the blood of Christ, and then there's remission of sins through that same blood. That means your sin debt to God is paid in full with the blood of Christ. You're free in Christ and you're forgiven in Christ. All of your sins are erased from your record. Think about that. Everything you've ever done wrong, erased from your record. That's what Christ did for you. Everything. Not just some things, not part of them things. Everything has been erased. And so in Christ alone, saints, God forgives all your past sins, your present and current sins, and your future sins as well. The sins you haven't even been committed have been nailed to that cross. And like, like really, how does that make you feel? 
So you're saying that the sins I may commit a year from now, I don't have to bear them? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because Jesus died for real sins. Not pretend sins, real sins. So you don't have to walk in them anymore. Forgiveness means you don't have to live with a stigma attached to you. No stigma of disgrace, no stigma of shame, and no stigma of guilt. You are not a poster child of condemnation. None of you are. You're poster children of God's unmerited favor. Yes, you. Don't let anybody else tell you different. For there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much joy will you have in your Christian journey if you actually believe that? How much joy will you actually have in your marriage if you believe that? In your parenting if you believe that? In your career if you believe that? How much more joy and fulfillment would you actually have in life if you just knew you are a poster child of unmerited favor, not condemnation? Even when you mess up. Because you're going to mess up. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that was stood against us with legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus does not require you to get on the cross with him. That's the way some of you live. That's you trying to, hold up, Jesus, I'm, I'm coming with you. He doesn't need you. On the cross with him. Doesn't need your blood mixing with his blood. Because he would mess everything up. His blood is enough. His life is enough. His performance and productivity is enough. And there's nothing you can do to add to it. If you're trying to work to add, you can't enjoy. Can't do both. I say enjoy. Enjoy what's already been given to you freely through the blood of Christ. In 2000, hold on, missed my place. Oh, here we go. Past, present, future sins are all nailed to the cross, and now you are lavish with freedom and forgiveness according to the riches of his glorious grace. That is the way you live your life. Forgiveness and freedom are both a part of God's Father's blessing to you. Enjoy that freedom. Enjoy that forgiveness. Enjoy it. In 2019, in the 2019 article, uh, Dr. Anthony Bradley, one of my favorite theologians, he, he wrote, Redemption is a covenant story about, uh, about everything in creation. Redemption is a covenant story about everything in creation. Dr. Bradley is spot on. You see, it is a mistake to reduce redemption just down to saving individual souls, just down to individual salvation. You see, the covenant story isn't what I call an IRS. 
Not the government, but it's something else. An individual redemptive story. That's not what the covenant story is. It's what I call a CRS, a cosmic redemptive story. It's the redemption of all things, the liberation of broken people and the liberation of a broken creation itself. You see, the fall in Genesis 3, it didn't just break humanity. It just didn't break us. It broke everything, every place, and everyone in all creation. Please understand that. And Jesus does not come so that we can have an individual redemptive story. He comes for a cosmic redemptive story to restore and to renew all that the fall has broken. As Athanasius said, Jesus comes to recreate everything. Everything. Every single thing. Please look with me at verses 7 through 10. And Christ will have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. What is the mystery of God's will? What is the purpose that he set forth in Christ? What is the plan for the fullness of time? It is not an individual redemptive story, saints. It is a cosmic redemptive story to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. That's the liberation of people, places, and things through the shed blood of Christ. What do you think it would mean if the covenant story was an IRS, an individual redemptive story, what do you think that would mean? It would mean Jesus only cares about your soul. That's it. Just get them saved. Get them saved. Get them saved. Get them saved. It would mean he only cares about gifting you eternal life and, and securing your place in heaven after you die. It, it would mean he only cares about reconciling you to God the Father. It would mean he only cares about your spiritual life. Everything else about you don't matter. That's what it would mean if redemption or the covenant story is just an individual redemptive story. But since the covenant story is a cosmic redemptive story, Jesus cares about all the creation. He cares about you holistically. He cares about all of you. Everything that makes you you, he cares about it. Your spiritual life, your social life, your relational life. He cares about your soul and your body. He cares about your spiritual health, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health. He cares about your relationships, your marriages, your relationship with your kids. He cares about your living conditions. He cares about your suffering. He cares about what brings you joy and what brings you pain. He cares about systemic brokenness. He cares about injustice. He cares about the environment. You know that, right? If he's redeeming all things in creation, then he cares about the environment too. He cares about the animal kingdom. He cares about human life from the womb to the tomb. Jesus isn't just pro-birth. He's truly pro-life. Womb to the tomb. Why? Because Jesus is about cosmic redemption. All things 
being united in him in the Greek means all things in heaven and in earth, on earth. Do y'all know what Jesus says in Revelation 21, verse 5? What does he say? Behold, I'm making all things new. I am. That's a great I am statement. I need to preach on that one. I am making all things new. And that's all things. Believe it. Rest in it. Redemption is, is, is cosmic redemption. Pastor Tim Keller says, through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us, rescuing us for, from judgment, from for sin, into fellowship with him. And then Jesus restores the creation in which we can enjoy our new life together with him forever. It's both and, saints. It's both and. When you reduce the covenant story just to an individual redemptive story, then it's okay to not care about what goes on in society because that's part of your theology. But when you know that Jesus is about cosmic redemption, the renewing and restoring of all things, you realize he cares about my soul and everything else. Theology is important. What you believe about God's redemption is important. Well, I don't know if I believe this cosmic redemption. I don't know. I don't see that in Scripture. Okay. Turn with me to Romans 8. I'm going to close with this. Romans 8, beginning in verse 19. And when I'm done with this, if you still don't believe it, then you and Jesus need to get together. Romans 8, beginning in verse 19. The Apostle Paul writes, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That means sons and daughters of God. For creation was subject to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage of corruption and obtain the freedom to the glory of the children of God. What do you see there? What's, what's there? We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons and daughters. What? The redemption of our bodies. That is cosmic redemption. The redemption of everything in creation. The liberation of broken people and the liberation of a broken creation. All through the person and work of Jesus Christ. But do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you care about all of this mess, not just parts of this mess. Thank you for that. Thank you that you are about uh, recreating and, and, and renewing all things. Thank you, Lord. And because you care about those things, 
your people can care about them too. So my prayer for myself and for your beloveds that are here and your beloveds that are tuning in on the live feed, I pray, Spirit, that you will help them have an awareness of who they are in Christ and also the fact that Christ cares about every part of who they are, not just part of it. So I do pray blessings over this. I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please stand as we have our closing song. joining us today. Also, for the kids and youth, we'll be meeting today uh, after the service with uh, uh, with Miss Mary and Mr. Lau. So they will gather up and also after the service, take about a five minute break. We're going to have a sermon discussion for anyone who wants to stick around and talk more about uh, the sermon I just preached. And we'll talk about that while the kids and children meet. So here's the Lord's benediction to his beloved. Now may the peace of the Lord, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And the Lord be with you all. All God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another, saints.